Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back everyone to the Grad School Femme Train Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette and today we have an episode all about applying to summer research programs and our special guest today is Hazel Carias Urbina. She is a third year history student with a minor in Latin American studies at Cal State LA, Cal State University, Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, is a Mellon Mays Fellow uh, which is a research program dedicated to increasing diversity in the faculty ranks of institutions of higher learning. So we have that in common. She's also the daughter of Guatemalan and Honduran immigrants. And for her research, Hazel studies the cultural influence of the Central American community in Pico Union, LA, through the history of the Central American Independence Day Parade. Ooh, really interesting. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast, Hazel. Thank you so much, Dr. Ava. It's, it's awesome to be on. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to have you. I would love for you to just get us started by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your background, your backstory, and essentially everything that led you to pursuing what you're studying today. Yeah, sure. So let's see, where do we start? Um, I was born here in LA, born and raised. Um, yeah, I have Guatemalan and Honduran parents. And they've lived here since around the early 90s. So we have some good roots here. Um, let's see, I grew up in Pico Union, uh, which is like the current area that I study. And I would say that, you know, that time in my life, you know, it really like shaped my childhood and just my, my current values about like family and my identity and all that. Um, let's see, I was in the Los Angeles public school system, um, LAUSD. And, uh, you know, while I moved away from Pico Union at the age of 10 to South LA, I kind of followed the like the opportunities to be in honors programs that were available in West Hollywood. Um, so I went to like school at John Burroughs Middle School while living by USC. You can imagine like oh, wow. our trips. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just got my driver's license. So looking back, I'm like, wow, my mom really made the sacrifice to take me there. And, you know, luckily my dad worked nearby in Koreatown. So I spent a lot of good time like all across LA, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, yeah, in school, you know, I got an early interest for history, although I was always kind of unsure. I felt like a, like a jack of all trades in mm. a certain way. Um, and it was really until high school when I started to really think about what I would be interested in studying. Because I always assumed that I'd go to university, but I didn't really know much about what I do there. Um, you know, my brother was the first one to graduate in our family from university and I would be only the second woman. Um, so yeah, I mean, in high school I started, it, it was a tumultuous time, I would say for a student like me. I went to school, I started high school in 2015 and pretty much I saw the entirety of the administration's like doings throughout my yeah. entire time there you can imagine for like a lot of students who are part of marginalized communities how that lived experience was 
Um, and, you know, that was kind of the time where my, I started thinking more about my identity as a Central American, American, <laughs> mm. like just thinking about, you know, our particular communities, like struggles and um, lived experiences here. And so, you know, I got to explore a little bit more of that in Cal State LA, which I'm really lucky that Cal State LA has really given me the opportunity to like explore more about the Latino community's like history here in LA. Um, I started first learning a lot about like Chicanos and the Mexican American community. And I thought that was all awesome. And it gave me a foundation for, you know, learning more, but I was, you know, starting to get more interested in like what, you know, about me because yeah. you know, and, and about my background. And, you know, I kind of found like a little bit, it was a little hard. It was hard to find those kind of opportunities to learn at first, but I kept digging. I found professors who were really into what I was interested in. And, you know, around that same time that I started developing this like interest in the back of my head around my like, sophomore year, I also started thinking about my career goals. And I had always been kind of like, I don't know, teeter-tottering, like I knew like I'd be okay in education and I had considered becoming a high school teacher or a middle school teacher in history. Um, you know, my, my older brother, uh, who I mentioned before, he is a elementary school teacher. And through him, I got to know a bunch of other teachers and I became more familiar with that environment. But I started to question a bit more, like, you know, once I started meeting all these awesome professors at Cal State LA, I think we have like amazing awesome teachers here you do <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have so many great teachers and they started really you know influencing me mm -hmm. to think like maybe I could do this you know and I didn't know anybody besides my professors like who was interested interested in like you know that kind of career um so it was a bit scary at first it was a bit daunting um I started asking around and one professor, uh, her name is Dr. Camille Suarez, who is currently my thesis advisor for Mellon. Um, she recommended me to apply to the program because she saw that I both had a research interest and that I was interested in becoming a professor. And yeah, you know, I, I applied and it, you know, I got in <laughs> very luckily. And uh, it's been an amazing experience so far. Now I'm just fully into it, you know, fully into getting my, into my research project, getting it done, and learning a lot of stuff along the way as I, like, approach applying to grad school in, like, the next year. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's great. Um, and that leads us, it's a perfect segue into talking about one of the milestones or recommended experiences that's part of, I know, Mellon and other grad school preparation programs, which is applying and hopefully getting in and having some sort of summer research experience. And so I would love to hear your take on that, your experience with navigating, applying to summer research programs and you know what has come up for you. Sure, so yeah, I mean, currently I'm in the process of applying to summer research programs. And so far it's been all right. Although, you know, because of the unique situation I'm in where you know, I started Mellon online, you know, I didn't get to do much of the opportunities that people get to do in person, like the consortiums, uh, you know, meeting other fellows and, you know, like, you know, all those things that you get to do in person. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a weird nebulous experience. Um, 
let's see. Yeah, I've had to prepare. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. No, I was just thinking about, you know, your experience in particular as someone who is a history major. So you're mm -hmm. in the humanities and my experience as a English major being in the humanities when I was applying to summer programs was that there were so few of them. When yes. I would look them up, it felt like everything was tailored and catered to the STEM programs. And yep. there were few um, humanities and social studies programs. And even if there were, mm -hmm. there was more, again, like the emphasis on the, the um, social sciences rather than the humanities. Yeah. And so I can imagine with the pandemic with mm -hmm. doing everything virtually with being a humanities student it must be challenging to to be applying to summer programs am I right <laughs> no you're, you're absolutely right um yeah you brought up a good point about you know if, if I didn't have melon I think it would be pretty hard to find those humanities research programs for the summer um which can be crucial to like understanding how you do research and like preparing for like you know, if you want to go to grad school, like it's, it's tough. Um, yeah, you know, some, especially with like the pandemic, things have kind of been unorganized for summer programs being advertised to students. Mm -hmm. um, for example, like USC has a jumpstart uh, uh, program for the summer and it's largely STEM based and there's really only one history project available for history students to get onto. Um, I applied to it because I am interested in USC for you know, eventual to apply to like uh, grad school. But yeah, things have kind of just, they, they kind of like send you an email out of nowhere, the deadline is in two weeks and you're like, oh shoot, you know, I need to scramble and I need to get my stuff together. Um, What else? Uh, in uh, terms of, oh, so sorry, it's okay. No, I was just wanted to, to follow up on that because you said that thanks to the support of Melon, you've been able to um, find mm -hmm. some programs to apply to. And so what has that process been like in terms of finding programs? Has it been mostly through word of mouth and emails that you received or have there been other places? Because I, I, I know I usually recommend students to check out um, some of like the big uh, summer program. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if, I don't know what you call them, like the websites, like the, the Big Ten, the Leadership Alliance, the yeah. National Science Foundation, research experience for undergraduate programs. Uh, but those are the big ones. And other than that, there's so much more. There's so many more programs yes. that we're not even aware of because like you said, sometimes the information is nebulous, it's not clear, and it's hard to find out who is accepting students, who isn't this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I basically got my master list of research programs from uh, Dr. Wild, who is my program coordinator for MLM. Right. And he, yeah, he provided the list. I picked out the schools that I was interested in now and interested in for the future. Um, yeah, you know, and they came from like popular institutions like the University of Chicago, um, UCLA. Um, yeah, uh, what else is I gonna say? I, I did apply to Leadership Alliance because I heard that was a pretty popular one. Um, but other than that, most of the most of the ways I've learned about the programs are through him and also through just random emails like a like the one I got about USC yeah yeah that was my experience also on the other end of things not just as a melon fellow myself but then mm -hmm. being um someone directing a program and getting emails from multiple different directors of other programs saying forward this to your students you have this summer yeah. program so I can imagine you're probably getting receiving some of those emails 
from yeah. <laughs> uh, the folks over at Melon. Um, yeah, so what are your kind of hopes? Uh, what What is it that you hope to gain out of your summer research? Of, well, first the application process and then mm -hmm. hopefully getting in and having this yeah. experience. Well, let's see. What I hope to really gain from that summer experience is having the time to really dedicate to my research project. Um, you know, with the fall semester and the spring semester, you obviously have your classes to take care of. Then you have responsibilities outside of that, like at work or at home. And then you have to continue your research project. And I think I've been doing an okay job of trying to balance everything all at once. But, you know, sometimes I really do wish that I had that, you know, allotted time um, because I do care about my project and I want to, you know, really advance in it. I want it to, to look good for my future presentations and, you know, that, that I hope that that will be the case for the summer. Like I'll have that space, that support too, from like people who know about my topic and are willing to help me with it. Um, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of what I hope to get, just some allotted time, I think. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, because I myself have not been checking, are, is there a mix in terms of whether they're virtual or in-person or are most programs going back to in-person? Like uh, what have you found from the programs that you have looked into? That's a really good question. So when I first joined Mellon, because it was online, I kind of assumed that the summer uh, research, you know, uh, program time would be <laughs> like all online, just because I started online, it would mm -hmm. end online. But now things are kind of, you know, like rapidly approaching, you know, the mask mandate in LA just recently dropped on Friday. And yeah. so things are kind of starting to go back in person. And uh, you know, like, yeah, most of the programs that I've applied to, I believe will be in person that I haven't received any notifications that they will be online. Um, it's a little scary to think about just because this, you know, I applied to institutions outside of my state. And, you know, that would mean I would have to go live in the state where that institution is. And that's, you know, my first, that would be my first time going anywhere on my own. Um, Ever. So yeah, it's 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 exciting, I guess, now, but I really had to process that um when I didn't the, the summer I got into Melon. Um yeah, so I think they're gonna be in person. I'm crossing my fingers for you in the hopes that you do get into one that's um, out of state because it's such a great experience. I know you said you you want to gain that ability to have time, like to dedicate yeah. fully to your research. But then there's so much more that you gain from summer programs, from the connections of the people that you meet to getting to know another campus and almost like a preview, like what my grad school looked like. And then yeah. if you actually go in person out of state, having that confidence to say, like, I can be on my own. It's, it's that adulting side yeah. <laughs> of, of no, the summer true. program that, that makes you realize, oh, OK, like I, I, I can stand on my own two feet. Because for mm -hmm. a lot of us who are first gen or maybe child of immigrants, we might be yes. the first, the first, first to move out of the home, the yeah. first to go. You know, I remember the first time I told my mom I was going to go out of the country for an internship. She mm -hmm. prayed and she thought I was going to get killed. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she no, was like, yeah, call me every night. 
and I did. No, so no, like, don't sure. be surprised <laughs> if, if your family members are asking you to call them all the time. <laughs> no, I know. Like, um, you know, I just recently listened to your episode about um, explaining grad school to your parents and you know, that made me think like, oh, I really got to stop and start prepping them now because this mm -hmm. is something that I am considering for my future. And I already told them about the Leadership Alliance, which a lot of those institutions are offered on the East Coast. Yeah. And so that would potentially mean I would have to go away, you know, all that way, you know, for the summer. And my parents, when I first told them, they were like, what do you mean you're going to the East Coast? <laughs> What do you mean you're, you're not going, going. you're not going <laughs> is there not one here in LA <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I, I try to reassure them by saying that I applied to Stanford um which is in California right um but I you know I wanted to apply to Yale and also Chicago which I know isn't really on the east coast but it's it's, it's a way over it's that way, way. <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly Midwest so, but closer to that side than this side yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, just they were at first very hesitant to accept it, but eventually they were like, you know what, it's for it's for school and, uh, you know, this will just it, it'll just be temporary. And I keep trying to bring it up to them, like kind of often, like just really just some updates about my application process to not just the Leadership Alliance, but like, you know, other schools, you know, that I'm looking at. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just. It's exciting though. I, I do want to take this opportunity to go somewhere. I don't know if I'll be able to do that ever again in my case. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure that because of the mentorship that you've been receiving, that maybe someone has told you this, but I just want mm -hmm. to remind you. And if some no one's told you this, then I'm just telling you right here so that you and everybody else can hear. But if you get into a summer program, you should give yourself a huge pat on the back because I believe, and this is my belief based on uh, 11 plus years of assisting students with getting into grad school. I believe based on what I've observed, my observations, that it's harder to get into a summer program than it mm -hmm. is to get into grad school. Why? Oh, because there are fewer professors available in the summer to take on students and work with them. And wow, there cool. are also fewer summer research programs than there are graduate programs available. Uh, and so, and then it, it even it's further compounded if you are in the humanities because there are even fewer Less. programs yep. in the humanities available for you to apply. So they suddenly become hyper-competitive. And on top of that, you might have a perfect application. There's just no one there to work with you that summer. Yeah, so I just want no. to remind you this so that hopefully, fingers crossed, you get in somewhere yes. and you can have that validation of like, I got in somewhere, which means that I am good enough and I can get into graduate school. So just letting you know, you know, okay? Okay, no, for sure. No, <laughs> I you, have like for some reason, it doesn't work out. I, you know, just be like, okay, I'm getting redirected. I'm moving on to something else. I have other opportunities yeah. because just remind yourself, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see that ha may have nothing to do with how amazing you are and your application is. So just. That's just a really that good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a really good reminder. And you know what, uh, just to bring up one last thing about it is, you know, for Mellon uh, students, this is a requirement, right? To do mm -hmm. a summer research program. Something that kind of facilitates that 
is the um, the certain melon programs, summer research programs mm -hmm. that are available to students. So I'm applying to UCLA and that one is hosted by Mellon. So it is a little easier for us to do it. And that's a privilege that you get as a fellow. So I can imagine for other students, it, it's going to be a little harder. Um, but yeah, for and also just the topic that I'm doing, you know, I really had a tough time looking for schools with faculty that studied Central America. And because where are the Central American Studies departments? Exactly. Uh, it, I'm like, it's Chicanic Studies and maybe they might add and. But yeah. um, I, I can imagine your frustration. It's like you yeah. keep feeling like there's less and less you know, opportunities for you because of your discipline because of your topic because of your interests and it just hopefully it reminds you like this is why you're doing what you're doing because yeah. folks like you and your work are needed yeah that's always a good reminder yeah I, I applied to Yale and I applied really because there were a lot of grad students dedicated to that work some who were from Cal State LA which is really nice. nice so it is nice to know in some corners of the country you know there are some of us there we're, we're doing the work you know I um I wanted to hear a little bit more about um, your experience with the Mellon Maze program because, um, well, one, it's a graduate school preparation program. A lot of folks that are you know first gen and going to grad school, they have gone that route thanks in part to the support of grad prep programs like Mellon, McNair. Um, there's a bunch of other ones too, and so what has that been like for you? Because I'm sure a lot may have changed since I went uh, to undergrad and participated in this program. And I know that for me, it was really formative. And uh, to this day, I have connections that are meaningful um, because of the, the folks that I met, you know, on, in that in that experience. So what's what's it been like for you thus far in the Mellon program? Well, I'm just first things first, I think my experience in Mellon has just been fantastic. It's been really, really great. Um, I never really thought that I could have so many people in my corner when it comes to my studies. Um, and just even now I'm smiling about it because it's just, it's been really good. I, I will say that my experience is kind of unique again because, you know, online learning has really affected all parts of academia, all parts of being in school. Um, you know, I initially joined, let's see, I, I joined because I wanted to find other students who were interested in what I was doing as well like being in college is kind of a, a lonely thing mm -hmm. sometimes if you don't branch out um and especially added with you know being at home mm -hmm. in quarantine while doing your studies it's it's practically impossible to keep up with with people to become friends and become you know have your peers and so when I applied to this program the benefits of like, you know, somebody supporting my research and my studies, that was great. But the fact that I would be with three other people who would understand like that process of like doing the project or going to the consortiums, it it sounded really nice. And I'm happy to report that like, yeah, it's, it's been great. You know, we, we still have our limitations, of course, like being online. A lot of things are now hybrid. Um, but I, you know, I have like, everybody in my cohort is in a different field and yet we still find ways to support each other we find if we find a certain source that we think is is uh, relevant to someone's project we'll send it um we'll keep up with each other we all have a text um chat and like we keep up pretty regularly so it's nice yeah um 
I know I kind of veered off. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I, is, I'm just reminded. I know that we talked a little bit before the recording of how, um, you know, don't be surprised if these people end up becoming lifelong friends <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> beyond whatever it is that you decide to do um, in grad school and outside of grad school. Uh, it's, you know, for me, it wasn't just the mentorship that was critical. It was the cohort. It was mm-hmm. the people that I met um, and the community that I built. And that kind of brings me to wanting to ask you about community building precisely because you're talking to me about your experience being uh, Central American American, about mm-hmm. um, your parents and the sacrifices they made to, to come here about what it's been like to study, uh, to study, uh, you said the Central American community in LA, so your community. So tell us what has that been like to try to form community, find community at Cal State LA and just in LA more broadly? I will say, I mean, it's been kind of slow, you know, you find the people just, you know, through your classes sometimes and you have good conversations with them about, you know, that particular topic. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was it was pretty tough at first without Melon. Um, and then once I started dedicating myself to finding like LAS classes or like Latin American studies classes, it became a lot easier. So this semester, I've met a bunch of people who are interested. I even have a uh, intro Central America class um, that has been just awesome. And I've met not only undergrad students, but like, you know, students in master's and grad programs that are like uh, focusing on different aspects of the community here. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's it's kind of interesting, like you, um, how to say this? Yeah, I, I'm trying to, I, sorry, I lost my idea there. I will say it's been nice that, that I'll, I'll leave it there. It's, it's a lot easier now that I've really delved into my like research with my studies, like with my classes, um, I'm starting to like integrate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were just talking about building community as a Central American student. And I know you said it's been good, but I, you know, I think there's also that other side of, of, of it that it is challenging, especially in SoCal when there's such a predominant uh, Mexican-American community and Mexican immigrant community. I remember, um, I mean, like, it's funny, we're just, I was just telling you, oh, some of the people might become your closest friends. One mm-hmm. of my closest friends I met through the Mellon Mace program, and she herself is Central American. Um, she is uh, Salvadorian-American. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that that frustration of, like, studying Chicanx studies and not seeing yourself represented among the faculty, even though the fa- faculty are all POC. And, um, and then the, the assumption that people make that you are of a particular background or of a particular identity when that's not always necessarily true. Um, so, you know, I, I want to remind you that it's okay to say that, like, it can also be challenging and hopefully it gets easier over time. And sometimes you build community with folks of the same um, background as you. And sometimes you build community with folks of like similar, but not exactly the same background as you too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am glad you kind of mentioned it because, but yeah, there is that challenging aspect. And I, 
I don't often bring it up because, um, you know, I started my studies with, you know, the Latino community in LA, at Cal State LA, by learning Chicano history. And that in itself was so empowering because you see people in photos and you read their stories, people who look like your family, who, uh, you know, have like similar immigrant backgrounds, um, being part of the Latino diaspora as well, you get empowered by seeing that. But eventually, you know, I kind of like thought, well, I'm not Chicana, you know, my parents are not from Mexico. And, you know, I have, you know, I grew up in LA where I met a lot of people like that, but I'm just, I'm not. Um, we as a community have different experiences, mm-hmm. you know, we have like, especially in relationships to, with the United States, like, you know, we in recent, like the recent generation of immigrants, you know, in the eighties and nineties, like dealt with, you know, uh, person, you know, fleeing persecution, violence, mm-hmm. poverty, yeah. um, and so, you know, we have that like really unique part of our community that doesn't get studied very often, isn't given much attention. Um, and the first time I really saw it get attention was by the vitriol of, you know, our recent president. Mm. So that kind of brought it to light where it's like, I really got to give, I, I really got to pay more attention to like, why is it that I'm here and why? why haven't why was it so hard to figure out why I am here you know what I mean um I don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah I think that for a lot of us sometimes that's what brings us to the research is to learn more about ourselves and about our families about our ancestors and that in in and of itself is so empowering and you know even though I I like to be open about when when I advise students about making sure that to keep their options open open in terms of their career paths because mm-hmm. the future of academia there's there's just not a lot of tenure track jobs and yeah. everybody's going to get a coveted tenure track job despite that I do believe in the power of research and I do believe mm-hmm. in the power of gaining that sense of consciousness you know the paradigms that are shifted the you just learn so in learning so much about yourself and your backstory and the history um, that completely transforms your life and and yeah. and the lives of everybody that comes after you. So, yeah, I hope that you continue to build strong communities, you know, yeah. within Cal State LA and beyond. Because who knows where you'll end up for summer programs and where right. you'll end up for grad school. Um, I wanted to ask you if you have any closing thoughts on anything related to summer programs, Mellon, building community, or just your experience as an undergrad navigating research with this pandemic that I'm like, I don't think it's over, (laughs) even though people Um, are trying to act like it is. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. No, it gives you a little bit of a panic, but I think, let's see, any closing thoughts I think that, you know, it's been great being a part of Mellon. I, growing up, I never thought that I would be on the track that I am. And it fits so well now with the person that I'm becoming, which feels really good. Um, What else? Yeah, I could not, I feel like I really dedicate, you know, my research to just my, to my family, to my parents, Mm. their lived experiences. And I'm really grateful for the research that does exist. You know, I kind of want to bring up something that uh, a professor of mine last semester brought up to me, which is that I'm I'm part of like a new generation of researchers 
from the Central American community that's starting to do research on, on us, right? Um, and, you know, I have to think like other researchers who have done the work before me, like I can think of like Lacey Abrego and, mm -hmm. you know, Marisa Cardenas, who, you know, those immediately come to mind, like they come to mind when I think of like what encourages me to keep going with my project. So um, with summer programs, I think, you know, I'm just hoping for the best in terms of like, I think it'll be a really good um like opportunity for me to become a little more independent, both, yeah. uh, you know, both like structuring my research project and making sure I got it together. And also as a person, you know, it's a yeah. really good opportunity to get out there, especially for someone like me. I feel like I'm, you know, I have lived in LA my entire life. I don't get out much. <laughs> so, I can empathize, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. as, you know, a fellow Latina from SoCal. <laughs> And now yeah. I moved my family to Portugal. Like, what did yes. I just do? <laughs> so you never know what might be in store for you in your future. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, okay. Last question before we go is, if folks resonated with what you said and want to be in touch, want to connect in some way, shape or form, how can they reach you? Are you on social or is there any contact info you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, best way to reach out to me is through my Cal State LA email. Um, I don't really have many socials and stuff. So uh, my email is hcarias at calstatela.edu. Um, it should be carias the same way. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I can add it to the show notes. Perfect. Well, it's been so nice to chat with you, um, Hazel. It's just been um Nice to hear from your perspective and how things are going and and just to know that. You know, the I, I want to say la lucha continua, you know, like we just yes. keep we keep going and, uh, you know, summer programs keep going, grad school prep <laughs> programs keep going, our research keeps going, we keep going. So um, I, it's just uh, it's it's nice to hear your perspective and, and to have you come on and, and just share your wisdom with us. So thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. I'm really happy I could be on. Um, this is really exciting. So. Yeah, I hope that just people benefit from what I've said. At least they can find, you know, some solace in knowing that there's someone out there maybe going through the same thing, having yeah. the same thoughts. Um, yeah, just know you got this if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not alone. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Drawing Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtouring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.